Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Booming Basketball Podcast with Nate and Danny. This is going to be our third episode. Yo, what's going on, guys? So today we're going to be going over uh, the trade deadline, as we all know, is coming up in the NBA. Um, so what we're going to be doing today is going over what every team should look to be doing and target or make a, what move they should be making at the deadline. Before we get into that, we're going to start off with a few topics that I just wanted to talk about that have been going on, or not even just going on, things in the NBA that I just noticed that I wanted to talk, to talk about. And the first of that being the Tyrese Halliburton and De'Aaron Fox dilemma with the Sacramento Kings. Yeah, I mean, you could see Halliburton's numbers when Fox doesn't play. When Halliburton starts at point guard, he plays out of his mind. Yeah, we Halliburton coming out of college, we saw him as a point guard. He was a point guard. His really his biggest strength was probably his pick and roll decision making and his ability to run an offense and really not be an off ball player, which is what he's been forced into doing so far with Sacramento because he's playing at shooting guard. And then of course we saw them draft Davion Mitchell this past off season. So adding a third young point guard, making three of their probably best young players and their core are point guards. So clearly they've got to move on from eventually one of them, or if not two of them. De'Aaron Fox has regressed this season. He's been having a little bit of a down year compared to the last year. But when we look at Tyrese Halliburton's stats in his 15 career games without De'Aaron Fox, this is a couple days ago, but he had 15 career games without De'Aaron Fox. And in those games, he averages 19.6 points, 8.9 assists, and 3.5 rebounds. So his numbers jump up tremendously without De'Aaron Fox as expected because he is a high volume player and someone who's pretty ball dominant but this has also been something to look at with Tyrese Tyrese Halliburton because could they be holding them him back by trying to keep him with De'Aaron Fox which is why I really do like a package of potentially sending one of the two to Philly for Ben Simmons which I know it seems like it won't happen but I just think that they need to move on from one of them in order to get the best out of any of them. So the thing with Fox and Halliburton is like you could see that it could kind of be the same as the Damian Lillard, C.J. McCollum situation where they hold each other back and in games where they don't play on the same court as each other, they perform statistically better. Yeah, they look better at times because even though in moments, obviously, we've seen Damian C.J. in the past so much together. Um, we talked about this in the video prior, and we'll probably mention it again, but they have not had success. And even though they have, at times they do make each other look better in the long run, they're probably better without each other, and they'd be able to help teams more if they weren't in the role that they were currently in. And like we said with the Kings, it's just like, what are they doing, man? Like, who, I don't... Who would you rather be willing to trade if you're the Kings? Like, that's what I don't really know, because I think at this point, like, it's on... I don't want to say it's time to get rid of De'Aaron Fox, but... He's been there for a few years. It looks like he doesn't want to be there at times. He doesn't He doesn't seem fond of him. He's never came out and said that he wants to stay in Sacramento. It almost looks on the court like he doesn't care as much as he used to. And especially with him being out with Tyrese, I think it honestly might be time for the Kings to hand Tyrese the keys and try to get as much as they can for De'Aaron Fox because it's not a knock on De'Aaron Fox. I just think they both need to go separate ways. And for anything to go better in De'Aaron Fox's career, and if he ever wants to win, he just needs to get out of Sacramento. Yeah, especially with the trade deadline coming up, we could look at something like that. But I don't know. I, I, I agree with that. I feel like Tyree should be the guy, and I think that they should probably look to try to maybe trade De'Aaron. I'm a big fan of De'Aaron Fox, but at the same time, I feel like that's the right way for the, that's the only right way for the Kings to go. There's a few teams, too, that I have in mind in particular that I really think should be going after De'Aaron Fox. 
i.e. the Boston Celtics and the New York Knicks mainly because those are two teams in desperate need of a playmaking point guard. The Knicks could potentially package something with Julius Randle or their young guys. The Celtics could potentially give something with Marcus Smart or their young. They have a few young guys or assets. Maybe Robert Williams, if he has to, they can do that to get De'Aaron Fox. But yeah, they. Just, I don't see this situation getting any better. I think in order for the Kings to, for both of them to move forward in their futures, they they need to separate at some point in the near future. I think it gives both those teams that you just mentioned a deep playoff run. I agree, too, because I think both of those teams are probably a point guard away. Maybe not a point guard away, but at least a point guard away from being a solid, consistent team. Uh, another thing, the last thing we're going to talk about before we get into the main topic of today's episode is going to be the Hawks really getting into a groove. So ever since they lost to the Knicks, seems like they got a fire under their ass. They've been putting together a similar run to last season when they were, started picking up the groove. The Hawks have been really, really good. They've, they were on a seven-game winning streak prior to the loss to Toronto on Monday, who was also a team that's been very hot right now so it's not really much to discredit the Hawks but right now the Hawks are looking like they're picking it up they're looking a lot more like their team last year they're more healthy now they've got DeAndre Hunter back they have their guys that are on the floor that they've had the success with last season even though they don't have Cam Reddish still the rest of the team has been performing back up to par and it looks like they could make a playoff run now and this team is more than good enough to make a playoff run, obviously. They were in the Eastern Conference Finals last year. I think anything short of the playoffs this season is a massive failure for the Hawks. I think that they can compete with any team in the NBA on a good day, to be honest with you, because we're watching this Hawks-Suns game right now. The Suns have been, like, borderline unstoppable, and the Hawks look great. The Hawks are just one of those teams that are so hot and cold. When they're on, they look like arguably the best team in basketball. Trey, when he runs that offense and actually gets into a groove, he's so hard to stop. And the lob threat of Capella is the perfect complement to Trey Young. I don't think there is a more perfect center in the league to play with Trey Young. It's like they have a, this con- telepathic connection because I swear to God, every time I think nothing's going to happen, Clint Capella just comes running out of somewhere and Trey Young just throws it up and he dunks it. And I'm like, how the hell did he catch that? Uh, Capella's, like one, Capella's been one of the best rollers in the NBA, to be honest with you. Along with like Rudy Gobert is one of the best rollers in the NBA. I mean, Zion when he's healthy, eventually. Yeah. it. Clint Capella is really underrated. The pick-and-roll game with Trey Young is really scary. and the, they, He does a lot for the Hawks. As much as I hate Trey Young, it's his pick-and-roll game is otherworldly. It's almost Chris. It's not Chris Paul level, but it's pretty. It's really, really, really damn good. And the thing also, though, with Capella is I think he's just super underrated and he doesn't get enough credit for what he does for that team because when you see games without him, like, they miss him so bad. They can't do anything inside without him, which is another reason why I think they should look to trade John Collins because I feel like John Collins should be doing more in the interior, and I feel like yeah. he plays a lot smaller than he is. I feel like he'd be a lot more productive on a different team too. Yeah. Really break out of his show. But talking about the trade deadline, let's move on to what we think every other team in the league needs, and we're going to actually start with the Atlanta Hawks. And for them, I'm going to say they need a wing defender, really, because what the Hawks really struggle with is defending the basketball period. We know Trey Young, as great as he is on offense, is arguably as detrimental as he is on defense because his teams attack him like he's a guy with no clamps in 2K because he gets put in pick and rolls. He gets ran around the court. He get he has his man basically sometimes literally as a decoy just running him around. And because he doesn't know where to be half the time, he just gets lost or he doesn't give any effort. And 
that's a big reason for their poor defense. They don't have a lot of great defenders. Kevin Herter's not a very good defender. Danil Gallinari's not a very good defender. Bogdan Bogdanovich is not a very good defender. They really have, like, Hunter and Capella as their two real legitimate defenders in that lineup. And their bench is not very deep. So I think adding a wing defender could be a huge thing for them. John Collins, again, not a very good defender. Yeah. I feel like moving him, he has a lot of value. Moving him for a guy like Jeremy Grant or a defensive-minded player. I really like that trade. I think that would benefit both teams because Collins is younger. He gives the the Pistons a younger player to build or help build around. And then the Hawks get a play, an immediate impact player who's going to be their best defender right away. He'll hit shots. He's going to be a reliable second or third scoring option, as he's shown in Detroit. Trey's going to be able to set him up and get him the looks that he needs so he's not going to have to create for himself, and his efficiency should go up a, quite a significant bit from Detroit if he were to go to Atlanta. But even not Jeremy Grant, even if it's a smaller guy, Robert Covington, um, any of the three and D guys, there's so many guys in the league, you can name multiple different examples. I just really like the Jeremy Grant fit because they're 27th in defensive rating and they're 23rd in points allowed per game. Grant can switch on the perimeter, he can guard bigs, he blocks shots, and he gets steals. He does everything for them, and I feel like a John Collins for Grant deal would be something that's very easy to get done, especially with the contract situation. Um, but Jeremy Grant, to me, is the guy that the Hawks should really go after, but it doesn't have to be him. It could be any wing player that plays defense. They just need someone that can switch on the perimeter and go inside and someone who can really help glue their defense together. All right, staying in the Eastern Conference, we're going to move on to the Boston Celtics, and I think that they got to look for a solid point guard to distribute the ball because they're 21st in assists this season. They don't. Move, they honestly don't move the ball that great. If anyone's watched Celtics games, you all know what their team is. Everyone who plays the Celtics knows what they're going to do, That's, which is why they're so predictable and why they're struggling so much despite having two probably top 10 players in the East, arguably, or top at least top 15 probably. It's literally, I say this like literally, Half of their plays almost are, if not more, are Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown ISO basketball. They just get the ball and they just stop moving it. It doesn't go anywhere else. It doesn't leave their hands until one of them shoots it. It's always coming in with the Jason Tatum side step or the Jalen Brown step back. That, that's what's going to happen. And I think a big thing of this starts off with the fact that their point guard isn't a real point guard. It's Marcus Smart and Dennis Schroeder. Who, I like Dennis Schroeder a lot. I still think the $5.9 million signing was... Not a bad signing considering it was basically a no-risk, high-reward signing. But he's really a six-man, and he's not a facilitator. He's a scoring point guard who brings a spark off the bench, and that's really what Schroeder's best at, and that's the way he's most effective in today's league. And then Marcus Smart's just not really a point guard, who's the guy that's been starting for them at point guard mainly. We know Marcus Smart's a defensive specialist, and he's been a capable playmaker in the past. He played point guard in college, but really his shot-making is just too poor to be a point guard. He poses almost zero threat a lot of the time because when he's cold, he's not making anything, and teams can just sag off of him and basically get free rebounds. His shot selection is poor, he's inconsistent, and he doesn't get other guys involved like a real point guard does. They have no one that knows how to uh, run a pick and, sh pick and roll. They have nobody that can run a pick and roll correctly, it seems. They have no real rollers. Robert Williams does a really good job rolling. Other than that, they have really no one else. Horford sometimes, but Horford's so old and Horford has no quickness anymore or athleticism as Robert Williams does. But if Robert Williams had a point guard delivering him the ball, I think that'd make him much more dangerous and it'd make everyone else more dangerous because instead of just watching Tatum and Jalen Brown go up the court and dribble the ball out and dribble the clock out, they would actually be able to go run around off screens and set up plays and have a point guard run and orchestrate the offense and get them better looks. 
which is a big reason a big reason why Tatum's shooting 42% from the field this season is because he doesn't have that and he really just creates all his looks himself. Almost all of his points are off ISO, not all of his not literally all of his points, but a lot of his points are off ISO when he could be a guy that's really just getting in the rhythm of the offense and scoring 30 points a night, I feel like, but by himself, I don't see him doing that. Going back to a previous topic, I really think that a guy like De'Aaron Fox or Tyrese Halliburton would just like that. That's just a perfect fit. Am I wrong? No, because it, exactly. And the Celtics have they've had picks and assets. I feel like if they could possibly somehow pull something together to get Fox or Halliburton, that'd be amazing. Because I think that could honestly make them contenders again. But I don't know who they're who are the Celtics going to give up is the problem. I think the Celtics have to settle for something lower, probably a guy who's still going to get people involved and maybe not be as much of a takeaway from their roster that they have to trade so much to get him. A guy like Monte Morris, if the Nuggets were willing to part ways, I like that fit. I like Jalen Brunson, potentially, if they could get Jalen Brunson. But just a guy who's not going to cost you the whole team to get, but still give you a solid playmaker and someone who can stick in. you can stick in there at least alongside Marcus Smart so he doesn't have to play the point guard and have someone run your offense better now because... Marcus Smart's a two-guard, and even just moving Smart over to the two helps a lot of strength because then you have a better defender right next to your point guard, and you don't have to have Marcus Smart carrying the offense, which is his weakness. So when Marcus Smart's played at the shooting guard in his career is when he's had the most success. I know Celtics fans are definitely going to agree with me about this because I see every Celtics fan on Twitter and every form of social media just complaining about their point guards, so... For Boston fans, I really hope you guys go get yourself a point guard at the deadline because that's really what you guys need. Staying with the Atlantic Division, we're moving on to the Brooklyn Nets. The Brooklyn Nets, although have been a great team for the most part of the season, have really been struggling lately with Kyrie and just James Harden. With Kevin Durant being out, I think it's clearly showing how strong his case for the MVP was. But what the Nets really need is not someone to replace Kevin Durant because you just can't do that. But it's another guy that they've been missing most of the season that's really set them back a lot farther than I think people realize. And that's the absence of Joe Harris. I honestly think that guys that they could go for at the deadline to fill in that spot of Joe Harris is someone like a Doug McDermott or just like any like sharpshooter that could really just like space the floor for them. And know? that they can actually run pin downs and plays for because what was so lethal about having Joe Harris is he not, he's not Steph Curry, but he does a thing similar to that where he runs a lot of good shooters do it where he just he's constantly moving on the basketball court and it created so much separation and just flow for their offense and they would always have an elite three-point shooter to kick out to or create. And really, their only guy like that right now is Patty Mills, and he plays with the second unit, and he's a ball handler mainly. So not having a guy like Joe Harris who spots up and is an elite threat outside of your three biggest players, or right now their two biggest players in Kyrie and Harden, it's, it's a big thing to be missing because when your offense is so built around kicking out to a guy when you're needed to bail out your stars – it gets hard because then you don't have that guy and you don't have anyone who you can run those shooting plays for. And when a team has an elite shooter like that, it's hard to replace because Joe Harris has been so consistent for the past few years and he's made so many threes. It's not easy to replace a guy like that, but there are other shooters at the deadline who they could still do that for and replace Joe Harris in the meantime and then potentially even have him back with Joe Harris when Harris eventually returns. Some guys, though, that I think they could like really use or potentially go after that wouldn't be too crazy of a deal, I think, to make 
guys like potentially Devontae Graham, even though he's another point guard, he can be one of those guys that can be ran pin downs for, and he's a really good shooter. He's a very high-volume three-point shooter. But even apart from that, there's other guys like Justin Holiday, who's another high-volume three-point shooter. Malik Beasley, who's had a down year in, in Minnesota and could probably be traded for less value than he had been previously. But also the contract situation is another thing to worry about because the Nets don't have very much cap flexibility. So it'll be interesting to see what they do there. But really for the Nets, I think they got to get another shooter to replace Joe Harris or fill in his absence at least 50% of the way because they've missed Joe Harris so much, especially with Kevin Durant being out the past couple games and games. And it's really showed that they need a guy like that who can carry the offensive load when the other guys aren't and will get hot from time to time and give you 20 in a game. The next team we have up is the Charlotte Hornets. A very exciting team that I really, really like watching. They're one of my favorite teams, actually, to watch in the NBA. They have one of the best offenses in the entire league, but that's unfortunately like where it stops, really, because their defense is not very good. At the trade deadline, I think that the uh, Hornets should target like a rim protector and rebounder because re as of right now, they're 21st in opponent field goal percentage, 20th in rebounding, and 23rd in defensive rebounding, which is poor. They're bottom 10 in a lot of the defensive statistical categories as well as rebounding. Their leading rebounder is My, uh, Mason, I almost said Miles. Miles is not in the league anymore. Mason Plumlee is their leading rebounder with only 7.4 rebounds a game. It's really not good enough. LaMelo Ball is nearly their leading rebounder, and he's their point guard with only like 7.2 a game. They don't have a shot blocker really either. Their leading shot blocker is Miles Bridges, who averages a little over one a game. Yeah, I think that they could maybe try to like potentially target like Robert Williams or Mitchell Robinson, someone like that. If they could get another really young guy to go with their core that they have right now, like a Mitchell Robinson or a Robert Williams, that could be very scary, and I think they have the assets to do it. They could literally trade one of their many 15-plus point-per-game scorers. The Hornets have one of the best positions in the league probably right now because they have a mix of assets and young talent. And really, right now, they're one of the more fun teams to watch and play with. And LaMelo Ball has brought a lot of excitement back to the Charlotte Hornets team and it could honestly be a more intriguing destination for bigger free agents to go in the future. And so if they can continue building off of what they have already right now by getting a legitimate center to solidify their young core, I think that could really be the end of their young core. They could solidify it then and there and just continue to keep building. But anyone in particular who can just block shots, anyone really that can be a force in the paint because they don't really have any guy that's going to score in the paint or back people down or stand his ground because... There's not much going on in Mason Plumlee's arsenal defensively, and he's really their only legitimate big man on the team that is capable of playing consistent NBA minutes. They could look for certain guys that I don't have in mind really necessarily they need to go after, but some guys that could be potential moves that they could make are maybe Steven Adams, who's a very good interior. That'll give them a big body presence who isn't used as much in Memphis as you could potentially offer to another team like the Hornets, who need a very good rebounder and a big body inside because they just really don't have any presence in the paint and they get beat by a lot of bigger teams, which has been one of their big struggles this season. I think Wendell Carter would be so good as a Hornet. I just don't think that the Magic would give him up. Actually, speaking of the Magic, though, that, I think Mo Bamba could be a very interesting target. If they could get Mo Bamba... I really like that fit. Just anyone that's going to be a big, long guy in the middle that's going to get blocks and actually clean up the glass for them because, really, that's what's separating them from being a really good team, I think. They give up a lot of second-chance points. They don't get defensive rebounds or set many second-chance points themselves. And getting a guy who could really lock down the paint and hold it down for them down there 
could potentially take them to the next level and make them more of a threat in the Eastern Conference. Another interesting one, I think, that could be a low-risk, potentially high-reward would be Andre Drummond, who's really just sitting on the bench of Philly. I'm hesitant to say that because, honestly, I don't know if Drummond's really going to help any team at this point. But maybe it's worth taking a flyer on him for a second or third or a second or two second-round picks, maybe. If they could make a bigger deal, Christian Wood I really like on that team because he's a dominant rebounder who can really play in the paint. Even though he's not necessarily a force defensively, he gets boards and he'll clean up at least. And you can have guys on the perimeter who, like Miles Bridges, who's a good defender. And some of their other guys, LaMelo is a good guy getting pet in passing lanes. Ubre's a solid defender. Hayward's an all right defender. They have a decent defending team, and I just think having an anchor who could clean up boards and prevent them other teams from getting second so many second chance points and rebounds could just clean up a lot of their mistakes that they make in their games. Of course, Christian Wood is a very valuable player, or not very valuable, but a pretty valuable player that the Hornets are definitely going to have to give up, at least something probably significant to get him in return. So for the Chicago Bulls, we have another team that is a pretty elite team in today's NBA. They're number one in the East right now, obviously. But they have a very well-constructed roster, I'd say. Would you agree? Yeah, I agree. Especially when they get Caruso back eventually. R.I.P. Caruso. Fuck Grayson Allen. Fuck Grayson Allen. This is a Grayson Allen hate club. But enough about Grayson Allen. We talked about that quite a bit on the last episode. The Bulls should be able to get healthy in the upcoming weeks. And they're already starting to get more healthy than they were a few days ago and a few weeks ago when they were really struggling with injury and COVID protocols. The Chicago Bulls are really well-constructed, but they do have one downside that I think is pretty glaring, and it all started since they traded for Vucevic. Essentially what the Bulls did when they traded for Vucevic was they traded away their defensive asset in Wendell Carter Jr. and traded for more offense when they got Vucevic, and then that just clearly brought down their defensive numbers a lot. I mean, Vucevic, we all know how great of a player he is, but he just isn't that guy defensively. He doesn't move laterally very well. He's a very good rebounder. I'll give him that. He is a very good rebounder, and he cleans up on the defensive end. But he gets beat by a lot of quicker bigs. He doesn't guard pick and rolls very well. He gets lost in those a lot and beat off the dribble by a lot of guards because they try to expose him because they know that he's a, that's one of his biggest weaknesses. He doesn't move well, and they don't really have a backup big. DeMar DeRozan has played minutes at center for them this season, like, more than a few times. It's not just, like, an occasional thing. Like, DeRozan actually gets minutes at center for the Bulls. They need a rim protector and defensive rebounder because even though Ruzovic is a very good rebounder, aside from him, they don't have very much rebounding. They're 23rd in opponent's field goal percentage, so even though their offense is really good, they're mainly just outscoring teams. They're not holding other guys to low point totals or locking other teams up. It's really just been their super high-powered offense that has been carrying them so far in this season. They're 21st in blocks. Vucevic is their best shot blocker, and he's not a good shot blocker. So by adding a rim protector and just a guy that can come off the bench when Vucevic is struggling, I think would give their lineup so much more versatility because then they don't have to run the same sets over and over again or have to run the risk of being outsized or outmuscled when you have DeRozan in its center because realistically DeRozan is not a center whatsoever. Oh, yeah. They don't even need, like, like a high-caliber, like, high-performing center. They just need, like, a big guy in the middle, big guy in the paint to just, like, at least contest some shots. Get blocks. Block some, top, block some shots, get rebounds, just someone to clean up, you know? I think it'd be even, like, a guy like Kevon Looney. Yeah. Or uh, JaVale McGee and Biombo. We've seen the Suns find two gems this season. And they have Bismack, Biombo, and JaVale McGee who have filled in for DeAndre Ayton in his multiple absences this season. 
And I don't see why the Bulls can't do something similar where they can find a big body who isn't being used very much by his team now or isn't being used at all, is in Biombo's case, and at least give him a run and try to get another center for your rotational piece. Because especially when it comes to the playoffs, teams are going to attack Vucevic till he can't play on the floor anymore. So really for them to be an actual contender, I think they need an athletic big or a guy that can at least switch onto the perimeter and give them some versatility with their defense and their lineups because DeRozan's their backup center almost, and he's their starting small forward. Up to Michigan for Detroit basketball, we have the Detroit Pistons, who suck. Yeah. Very bad. Terrible. Um, really, I don't really have much of a trade target for them other than potentially moving Grant for another young star. I like John Collins, which we mentioned before. I like that trade, but if they're not going to land a young star like that or a guy who's going to help their young core, I wouldn't trade for anyone that's going to help them win now because it's pointless. The rest of their roster is too terrible to actually compete. Just stack on young assets, try to get maybe a few more picks. But for the Pistons, I really don't see them having the need to make too many moves at the deadline. They're kind of a team that the rest of their season's already been decided. Yeah, I just there's not much they can do other than continue to suck and get young players and hopefully not suck in the future but as for this season they suck and that's really that's pretty much it you can't do much when you have the first pick in the draft the year before and honestly if they do do a a grant for like john collins swap or something like that they might have some people watching their games yeah i'm that's what i'm saying i think if you give a guy like john collins that much um of a spotlight not a spotlight because it's detroit but just room to do what he wants to do and actually become the player that he's trying to become. I He had previously said a couple weeks or months ago that he wanted to be like a Nikola Jokic type, a guy that the offense runs through, a big that really orchestrates the offense. I don't know if he'll be that, but I think him and Cade could definitely make an interesting duo, and I think he would serve a much bigger purpose there than in Atlanta because I think Atlanta could have guys that are more useful to them right now than John Collins. And I think for John Collins, a new start for him would be optimal, and that could really make him back onto possibly all-star track. That could potentially make John's, that could potentially make John Collins back on the all-star path, or his path to becoming a potential all-star player, which it seems like he might not be on pace for at this very moment. Next up, we have the Indiana Pacers, which are really just a weird team to me because at the beginning of the season, I thought this team was going to be almost a shoe-in for the playoffs. If not a shoe-in, I thought they would be at least strong contenders because they have been for the past however many seasons. But I don't, whatever, it's almost the same roster as last year, minus Doug McDermott. But for whatever reason, they can't get it done this year. They're one of the worst defensive teams in the entire NBA. And really what they need to do is just call this season a quits because they're not going anywhere with the current core that they have. They want to trade Sabonis. They want to trade Turner. So what they need to do is really just get as much assets for all those guys as possible, get picks, prepare for the future, and really start that rebuild because I think that you could get a lot out of these guys at the deadline because they're going to be contenders that want Sabonis or that want Turner because they can help them make a long push in the playoffs. We saw the Wizards, they have interest in potentially dealing for Sabonis. So a team like that who could give you things back, a couple young players or picks, really just stockpile on that like other teams have done. But really, as far as contending goes for the Sixers, 
as far as contending goes for the Pacers this year, I don't see them really getting back to being a competitive team, and I think they've got to blow it up at the deadline at least somewhat. Yeah, I agree. They definitely they definitely got to blow it up. Just they got to trade away Miles and Demontis Sabonis because that team. You look at them on paper, and they should, like Nate said, you look at them on paper, they should be a playoff team, but they've just had no success this season. They just got to blow it up at this point because they're not, they're honestly not going anywhere. If you're going to trade one of the players, if you can only get rid of one, who are you getting rid of, Sabonis or Turner? Uh, at the deadline. I feel like teams have more interest for Miles Turner, and I feel like you would be able to get more out of Miles Turner. I agree, which is weird, too, because Sabonis yeah. is the all-star player, but it's just... No one blocks shots and hits threes at the rate that Miles Turner does. He is the best at doing what he does in the league, and what he does is very rare in today's NBA. There's not many people that shoot the three very well and are also elite rim protectors. So I think they at least got to move Miles Turner in hopes maybe Sabonis plays better when Turner's gone and they get even more for Sabonis or trade both of them. But if they can only get rid of one of them, I think you should at least get rid of Turner because Sabonis does raise your floor a little bit and can at least keep you somewhat competitive if they do not want to just fully commit to the tank. Like we said, one of those teams that potentially needs one of those shot blocker bigs could potentially make a deal for Miles Turner and maybe the Pacers get some young assets in return. Miles Turner is a guy that I think every team that needs a rim protector should be going after hard for at the trade deadline. He's a perfect fit for literally every NBA team, except for the one he's currently on. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, Miles Turner, I think, has got to be the first one out of there because I think they're just holding him back. But definitely don't do anything with Chris Duarte. Definitely keep Chris Duarte. Chris Duarte is something else. I really like Chris Duarte. He's going to be good. He's going to be good. We're big fans of Chris Duarte here at the Booming Basketball Podcast. Uh, but, yeah, I really think, honestly, what they should try to do is because Brogdon cannot be traded yet due to his extension. So... Try to offload as much of your contracts and get as much in return as you can, and then really just build around your your new young core. Start it with Chris Duarte. I think he's a really good guy to start your young core around, even though he hasn't had the best rookie season. He's certainly surprised a lot of people and been very, very solid this season, even though he is a little older for a rookie. <coughs> I thought he was shooting better. Miami. The Miami Heat are a team that is, again, one of those guys that really just don't really need that much, to be honest. They're a very well-rounded team. They do everything. They're a good three-point shooting team. They're a really good defensive team. They they run out. They shoot lots of threes. They're one of the best three-point shooting teams in the league. They're one of the best transition teams in the league. They get some of the most assists in the league. They really just don't have any glaring weaknesses except for the one thing that they are dead last in the league in, which is... Something that may honestly surprise a lot of people because they're known as a defensive team and a guys that have really had their success and what their forte has been known for is being that tough, gritty defensive team, but they're actually 30th in the league in blocks. A lot of people think of Bam as a very good shot blocker, which is just not the case. He's a good def- he's a very good defender, but he doesn't get many blocks, and outside of Bam, no one gets like any blocks on that team. And their backup center is Dwayne Dedman, who's more of an offensive player, and someone that'll give you buckets and rebound. But I think that what the Heat could really use is an athletic defender to protect the paint more and someone who can come in when Adebayo is struggling against bigger guys and just a big body that can really hold his own in the 10 to 15 minutes maybe he might need to play a night. They don't really need something huge. A guy like Dwight Powell, who's a big body, anyone that can get you a few shot blocks or at least just be in the paint when you need a bigger center or you need to go up big, and because even though 
that's not even a thing that should necessarily be a concern because blocks are an indicator of good defense, and the Heat are still a very good defensive team. So really, I don't think the Heat have to make any moves at the deadline. I'd honestly say if they have to change much up, I wouldn't make any moves. But if you can get a guy that can block shots for you off the bench for cheap or for nothing at all, then I think that would be a great addition for the team. Yeah, I honestly feel the same way. Uh, I think that the one thing that they might need, the only like really, I guess, quote-unquote gap that I see on the roster is maybe like a backup center, someone better than Dwayne Dedman. And Dwayne Dedman is not even bad, don't get me wrong. He averages six points and six rebounds in limited minutes, but he's not a defensive presence and having a big, big body, like even Boban, I don't know, just a guy that's an actual big body who can come off the end of the bench and just give you a few minutes in a game if you need someone to go bigger against a team like the guys that struggle against Embiid and Jokic because you are going to have to play against those teams, especially if you're going to make it anywhere in the playoffs, or like a Giannis, and you're going to need a guy who's bigger and can get up and contest those guys' shots. Adebayo can do it to a certain degree, but Adebayo has even been burned by some of the bigger centers in the league. All right, now moving on to another team in the East, a team that also is not struggling, probably doesn't have to look for much of the trade by blind, the Milwaukee Bucks. I guess what they could potentially look for is a backup point guard, a better backup point guard than George Hill, who's not having a great season. George Hill's just old, and really it's yeah. probably time for him to move on and to something other than basketball or whether he wants to keep playing. And I'm not going to tell him to retire. Not, I would never tell a player to retire. He's just he's old. That's really what it is. And the Bucks could use a better backup point guard. He's serviceable, but I think having a backup point guard could really help them out because Dante DiVincenzo sometimes takes over the point guard role, but he's not a very good playmaker. They could use a guy that can get people involved potentially a little more. Their only real playmaker is Drew Holiday and Giannis. They don't have many other guys that handle the ball well. And George Hill, who's previously and historically been a very good shooter, has not had a very good year shooting the ball. He's only 31% from three and 43% from the field. So really his strength this season hasn't even been there for the Bucks. So for them to have another point guard in the playoffs and have a backup could really take them to a level where they're competing at a higher level because of the fact that their bench can come in and compete with team starters because their bench is already very good but they're just really lacking a point guard to orchestrate and run the offense drew holiday plays a lot of minutes and they could use a guy who can help take the load off of him and Giannis handling the ball i think that what they could really use is like you know just like like they all they need is someone that's consistent that could that knows how to move the ball they need someone that's going to get a few assists not turn the ball over and just take care of it they don't need someone who's going to put up a lot of points or a lot of numbers they just need someone who's going to be there and be a floor manager, just a floor general, someone who can just read the offense and the defense a little bit, run the pick and roll, and just play 15 minutes a game maybe and take off some of the pressure from Drew Holiday and Giannis from handling it all the time and give them another threat with the ball in their hands. Any specific names that stand out to you? Specific names would be, to me, potentially if they could somehow make a move for Jalen Brunson. I don't see that happening. Monte Morris is a guy I like. There's a few guys that they could really make a move for. I don't think the Nuggets want to part ways with Compazzo, but I think Compazzo would be a good guy for that team. There's a few guys, just someone that can really orchestrate the offense and doesn't do too much or require the ball in his hands, but can use the ball when it's in his hands and do something with it rather than just being another cone because the Bucks have just so many guys that are really standstill catch-and-shoot players. Grayson Allen... Pat Connaughton, Bobby Portis, a bunch of these guys. Chris Middleton handles the ball a little bit, but he's mainly a spot-up shooter. He's one of the best spot-up shooters in the league, and he isos sometimes, but for the main, for the most part, he's not an on-ball player. He's not super ball dominant for an all-star. 
this one is going to be a personal one. This is going to be my favorite team. We're, we're doing the Knicks now. There's a lot of things I could say for the Knicks, but the one glaring discrepancy that I've been begging for us to get for years is a point guard. We thought we might have had it this season with Kemba, but Kemba's not a playmaker. We already knew that. And even Kemba's scoring, which hasn't been on part of this season. So we need a playmaker. It's but what we've been needing for years. We've never had a legit point guard really since Raymond Felton. Call the Kings. I heard they got some. Yeah, the Kings. I would for the Knicks to make a deal for Tyrese Halliburton or De'Aaron Fox would be an absolute dream fit, I believe, because they would have a guy who could actually run pick and rolls and take off the pressure from Julius Randle so that Julius Randle doesn't have to play point guard and maybe can somehow go back to being a good basketball player. Because the Knicks just don't have anyone that actually handles the ball well at all. Like, no one on the Knicks actually can set up an offense or is an elite playmaker. Julius Randle is their leader in assists with only five per game. It's just not good enough. You, to be a good team, you need to be able to move the ball. The Knicks really just stop it a lot, and it'll be people taking turns isoing. Their defense has come up a lot this season and been almost on par with last season, but their offense has been arguably even worse, even though we have more additions. Evan Fournier has been super inconsistent, but he's not a playmaker. Evan Fournier, Julius Randle, R.J. Barrett all have just taken a lot of turns this season isoing. Alec Burks does the same thing. Emmanuel quickly does the same thing. They have a lot of players that just don't move the ball, and to get a guy that would really get the offense flowing and just getting everyone touches could, I think, vastly improve everyone's confidence as well as just their ability to play because we'd become so much less predictable. The Knicks are just one of the most predictable teams in the NBA right now, which is why their offense struggles so much. The Knicks are 27th in points per game, third to last. It's not pretty to watch their offense. I watch every Knicks game. I'm a diehard fan. It makes me want to throw up. They're also 29th in assists per game and 26th in assist-to-turnover ratio. They turn the ball over not at an extremely high rate, but it's because of how little assists they get that makes it even worse. 29th in assists is really the biggest story there to tell because you look at all the elite teams, they're all high up there in the assist numbers. All the good teams are up there in assist numbers. It's really what's been holding the Knicks back for... I think last year, the years prior, and it's just been such a glaring discrepancy this year. We don't have, the Knicks don't have a player that can really just take over and run an offense and really keep the ball out of the defense's hands. Because a lot of times, the Knicks struggle to have a consistent ball handler, and it often turns into a match of us, of certain players going and taking ISO and just taking turns with the ball. Whereas in a point guard, a true point guard who could run the offense would look to get other guys involved and not make the offense as predictable. I really think that Jack could fix so many problems for the Knicks. I think they have a very solid roster otherwise, and what would just take them take them up a notch is having a guy that can set people up because they have talent. It's not like they don't have talent. They have one of the best benches in the league. But when you don't have an actual point guard, when your point guard is a guy averaging 12 points and three assists, it's just not good enough. Alfred Payton was a better playmaker last year, and that was our biggest struggle. So not having a guy that can really even run the offense outside of your power forward is a big issue. Do you, do you ever see, like, would you ever see Julius getting moved this season or not? I think they should look to move Julius if it's for the right price. I don't think What's getting... What's the right price? What would you think is the right price? I don't know what the right price is, but I think we need to get something back. I don't think getting rid of him for just young assets might be a move, but also that could also set us back because then we're not going to be as good probably. And I think when Julius inevitably does get traded within the next year or two from the Knicks or leaves the Knicks, it's going to be uh, glaring what he brought to the Knicks because he brings so much attention because he's their only real 
guy who wasn't he was an all-star last year so that's he still gets guarded like that because people know what he can do it's just i'm not i don't want it to part ways with someone if we're not getting equal value back it's similar to the ben simmons situation except for he's actually playing with us and he's hurting our team but i think julius randall could really turn a new leaf if he just had a guy to take off some of the pressure from him because he really has to do everything by himself at times and even when he doesn't have to do everything by himself he almost thinks he does because there's no real point guard or guy to take the pressure off of him because he is by far the best playmaker and ball handler on the Knicks yeah. probably right now and so when there isn't a guy that he can look to to help him with that it's got to help it's got to mess with his head and his confidence because he doesn't really know what else he can do when what he what used to do isn't working I mean, I don't hate flipping Julius for a few young assets. I, I don't hate that. Cause I don't. Because your guys' team is pretty young anyway. That's the thing. Like, you guys have you guys have Mitch. You guys have Quentin Grimes, Emmanuel Quickly, R.J. Barrett. We have a good young core, and that's, I think, the problem with people are seeing with the Knicks' struggles this year is this isn't even close to as good as the roster is going to get. They're going to keep getting better. R.J.'s been on a tear. He's only getting better. Quentin Grimes has had a few good games this year's season, especially as of late. He's been really good. Obi Toppins looked really good. But if the Knicks can get assets for Randall, I think that's also one of the moves that they could potentially look for or to trade for another young star. Not a star star necessarily, but at least a guy that has potential to be a star, as in Tyrese Halliburton, if they were willing to get rid of one of those guys. Or I also like Jalen Brunson a lot for the Knicks as well. A lot of the guys we're mentioning here as trade targets are because those are the guys that are most likely probably going to actually be available and get traded because their current situations with their teams aren't. Either they're not going to resign or they just aren't good fits for their team. With Brunson, I think it's that they don't want to pay him, and it seems like he's been in trade talks even since last year's trade deadline. So I expect, at least I expect the Knicks to try to make a move for Brunson because they've shown interest in him many times in the past. Would, that, would a Julius Randle trade cut deep for you? Would it hurt? I don't think so. As really, as much as I did like Julius, I think it's just his attitude and the way he's carried himself on the court now yeah. makes me think of him so differently. I feel like ever since he got that all-star selection, the ego's been... Uh... Yeah, his ego is definitely up there, but I think it's also his confidence is just shot. Here coming up, we have another team that really just... It's not much that they can do here. It's kind of a lost season for them, the Magic. The Magic are not good. We know that. They have a young team. They have lots of potential for the future, but that's, again, what they have to do. Much like the Pistons, I would just trade for assets, try to offload potentially Gary Harris and Terrence Ross's contracts. Terrence Ross is a guy that potentially could be interested in by playoff teams because he is a very streak shooter, and he's a guy that can come in off the bench and really give you a scoring punch. But there's not really any move here that they're going to make that's going to change their roster or make them significantly better because the rest of the roster is just so young and not as far along. So what I was going to say is I don't think it's time right now, but I think that they definitely have the young talent to trade for a young star. I think that they have enough young talent, right? I think they could do it, especially because they have Jalen Suggs, they have R.J. Hampton, they have Cole Anthony, they have a bunch of point guards. I think that they could potentially maybe look to move one of those guys for another for a different position. But other than that, I think they should probably just look to keep the guys they have in, in going into the offseason and then maybe look to do something. Yeah, I agree. But for right now, I really feel like offloading their bad contracts and getting more assets is the only thing they really can do. And that draft pick. Another potential contender now, the team with my pick for the MVP, at least as of right now, is the Philadelphia 76ers with Joel Embiid. 
Danny's looking at me like I have 10 heads right now, but I don't care. I'm going to double down on that as no, many times. It's just hot take. I, I don't even think it's a hot take, though. I just haven't heard a lot of it. That's all. I have heard a lot of it. Well, I mean, I've, I've heard it. I just I, think. I'm just saying, like, I've heard, I have heard many other people put. Yeah, it's you know, understandable. Yeah. But. You just caught me off guard. I, I, didn't, <laughs> I, I didn't know that was your MVP pick. But, so for the Sixers, what we. This is weird because what they need is a, a playmaker and a rebounder. It's all. Almost like they had that. Um, there's this guy called Ben Simmons. If you guys haven't heard of him, he doesn't play anymore. He's a, he's kind of a, kind of a little malcontent, just a little bit. But yeah, the Sixers are have one of the best rebounders in the entire NBA, and then arguably one of the best rebounders in NBA history off their bench in Andre Drummond, and somehow they are still 29th in total rebounding. It makes no sense. It doesn't. I really. I, this stat made no sense to and me when to, I saw it. And Toby it. gets 7.4 a game. Tobias Harris as well, good rebounder. I guess everyone else on their team is just that horrible at rebounding. Uh, their guards are not like Maxie's not big. They don't have any like guard. They had a big guard. His name was yeah. Ben Simmons. Yeah, I remember that guy. <laughs> but Ben Simmons, he's out of the picture obviously right now. But I think that's what I didn't understand about all these trades that are declining because even a trade where they're getting Jeremy Grant back and Sadiq Bay and multiple picks, it's better than what they have right now because they're already a solid team and imagine adding a guy like Jeremy Grant who can be a glue yeah. guy defensively and really just guard multiple positions on the court similar to what Ben Simmons did. He's not going to be as good as Ben Simmons, but he'll be decent and you'll get assets on top of it as well as another young player like Sadiq Bay who can still help you out like a significant a bit. Yeah. Sadiq Bay is a good basketball player. He's not... He's maybe not going to average the same numbers he does in Detroit because his stats are inflated, but he can still be a more than competent NBA player and help contribute to a winning team, which he doesn't do right now in Detroit. I felt like the Ben Simmons for Detroit package made so much sense. Uh, so did I, bro. I thought they should have accepted. We talked about that last episode. I thought they should have accepted that. Even though it wasn't this massive haul, it just made their team so much better. And at this point, I feel like they are contenders if they trade Ben Simmons for the right pieces. And I feel like those could have been the right pieces. Even anybody at this point. They need to get rid of Ben Simmons and get a good defender to replace him. Because that is what made them so special is having that elite defender and a guy that could switch and really guard everyone on the court. But now they don't have that. And really, they have Tybal, but he's not very big and he struggles against bigger guys. Jeremy Grant is super long. He's six foot eight, and he can guard pretty much the one through four, sometimes the five if he has to. And then the assets, like we said, on top of that, it just makes too much sense. They're also 20th in assists per game. They don't really have a playmaker. And even with that, you're getting more assets and picks. You can still trade for a playmaker and get one. You have Tyrese Max. He was not a bad playmaker. They're 20th. It's not like they're dead last. They could use a playmaker, but it's not the end of the world. What they really need is a defender and rebounder, i.e. Jeremy Grant, I said. Or even like John Collins would give them a great re- another guy who's a very, very good rebounder. Oh, but that's why that Pistons... Like package made so much sense for me. Sadiq's good on the boards. Jeremy Grant's good on the boards. They're both good defenders, so, and it makes them deeper too. I feel like, and it makes it so that they like they don't have to give minutes as many minutes to Drummond. If, you know? Yeah, they want to give as many minutes, as little minutes to Drummond as possible, probably because other than rebounds, he's really not giving you anything. As of right now, the Sixers have a player who has, even though his value isn't what it once used to be, he still has value whether he should or not. And they can only get better from getting rid of him because they literally have a, because they have a player right now who is just not playing for them. He adds nothing to them value-wise, yet he could bring in a significant amount of return that gives the Sixers actual value. I feel like waiting this process out longer and longer is only wasting Joel Embiid's time when he could be using this year as another year to potentially contend 
especially with how good he's been playing. Joel Embiid looks like arguably the best player in basketball this season, but he needs help, and especially on the defensive end because he can't do everything himself. He's a seven-footer. He can't guard the one through five. He's a very good paint defender and a guy defensive uh, and a. He's a very good paint protector and a defensive rebounder, but he's really the only guy in the team who's really good at that. They need to get somebody else to help and beat out in that area because he can't do it all himself. Did you see the uh, the the whole Ben Simmons upset with Joel Embiid because like Embiid blamed him for last season's playoffs and like Embiid didn't take the blame for his poor showing in 2019's playoffs? Yeah, apparently, apparently Ben Simmons is upset with Joel Embiid. So breaking news, everybody. But. The thing with that is that Joel Embiid, instead of crying about it and sitting out, he came back the next year better than he had ever been. But with the thing with Simmons is we haven't even seen what he's like when he came back because he still hasn't played since that series against the Hawks. So I think it'll be interesting to see what he's like when he comes back, but it's not going to be for the Sixers, and the Sixers need to just accept that and move on. Yeah, like you said, they just have a guy just sitting on their roster that holds so much value but they're getting no value out of him. You could almost get three solid, solid, if not more than solid role players for one guy that's doing nothing. You could either have... It's not like they even need a superstar. They just need more depth. Like, Ben Simmons didn't even have to be a superstar for them because if you can get rid of Ben Simmons and get multiple assets and just be a really deep team, I think Joel Embiid, Tobias Harris, and Tyrese Maxey is enough to get you by. Joel Embiid is one of these special talents in the league, and there are very, very few people who can guard him. And in a seven-game series, I'm not sure that there's many people who can handle him, but he can't do it himself because he's the only guy on that team that actually offers what he gives them, which is rebounding and defense and that interior threat. They don't really have anyone else. Drummond is soft as baby shit. Like, I'm sorry. He's horrible. Drummond gets rebounds and doesn't do anything with it. He can get you 25 rebounds in a game and still have no impact whatsoever. Andre Drummond needs to get out of the rotation, even though he doesn't get very many minutes anymore. They need to replace Drummond with a guy that's actually going to impact the game. And by doing that, you have to get rid of Ben Simmons because he's your only real asset at this point because you've traded away all your draft picks. Another one of my favorite teams this season has been the Toronto Raptors. I'm a huge fan of Fred Van Vliet and OG Ananobi. Extremely excited to see what they can do in the future. They've been really hot lately and been playing even better than they had at the beginning of the season because they had really started to struggle. But Pascal has really looked like Pascal from right when Kawhi had left because Pascal this season has been having a way better year than last season, especially he's averaging career highs in points, he's averaging career highs in rebounds, and he's averaging career highs in assists. He's shooting better from the field than he has in the previous seasons, and he's shooting better from three. Shout out Gary Trent, too. Yeah, Gary Trent, too, has been balling 30-plus 30, 30 in five straight games with five plus threes. Shoot like 50% from three over the past five games. Gary Trent's ridiculous. And his defense can't be forgotten about either. He's also an immaculate defender. But outside of Gary Trent, is their really problem with their shooting is they don't have much of that. Their bottom five in shooting percentage for three and for three point... The Raptors are bottom five in three point percentage and field goal percentage. Really what they struggle with is just shooting. They don't have guys that can knock down shots efficiently enough. What they really could use is a guy like Terrence Ross, who had been there before. I think that would be a really great addition for them to have. Even like Doug McDermott or Justin Holiday, some of the guys I mentioned before that could be available because they're not helping out their teams necessarily right now because their teams aren't contending. But the Raptors can still be a playoff, a solid playoff team this year and adding more shooters like DeRozan, or not DeRozan, adding shooters like Terrence Ross and 
or Justin Holiday, Doug McDermott, any of those guys that can just spot up and hit threes, I think that'll make them just a better team because they get the looks. That's not the problem. Their problem really is hitting the shots. I would really like Justin Holiday for them. I think that that would solve the problem. And Justin Holiday also he sticks with their defensive identity because they're a very good defensive team. And Justin Holiday gives them shooting without giving them really a negative on defense. The Raptors need to get up more threes as well as make more threes. So just getting a shooter who's going to take a lot and get that volume of shots up and be a streak shooter for them. I think Terrence Ross is honestly the perfect fit for them because they can probably get him for not very much. And he's a guy that's familiar with the city and with the team. So Terrence Ross really makes perfect sense for me for the Raptors to go out and get. And if not him, at least someone else that can knock down the three at a consistent rate. The last team we have for today's episode and wrapping up the Easter Conference is going to be the Washington Wizards. And oh, what a fall from grace they've had so far this season because they started out as the number one seed at one point and they were one of the best teams in the league. And now they're all the way down at 10th and they just continue to struggle. The one bright spot's been Kyle Kuzma, who I know Danny's been quite a fan of this season. Yes, I, I have been quite the fan of Kyle Kuzma this season. He, no, it's just because I feel like he, I just, I feel like he really just has what people thought. Like, because remember when he was in L.A. and, like, yep. yeah, like, he, people thought he was going to be really, really good, and then, you know, LeBron got there, the team started to fall apart. Kuzma wasn't as consistent, blah, blah, blah. But like most people who leave the Lakers, they get better. Kuzma's finding a lot of success. He's having a great year. He's averaging 16.5 points per game and nine rebounds. He's averaging a career high in rebounds by quite a significant amount, too. And his defensive play has also taken quite a big leap this season. Yeah, just recently. Like, he shoot, like over the last five games, he's shooting almost 47% from three and, and 50% from the field. That's and the problem with that, though, is that he's one of the only 3 and D players on their team. And probably actually the only one because Pulp doesn't play defense, Barrettons doesn't play defense, Bradley Beal is a pretty mediocre defender. They just really don't have many guys that can actually like clamp up and then hit shots on the other end. A guy like Robert Covington could be a great addition for them. Danny Green, if the Sixers were willing to part ways with him, just someone that they can have on the wing that'll give stability and maybe pick up the matchups for Beal and or Dinwiddie. I know Dinwiddie's probably the most likely guy that they will trade because there's been rumors that they teammates do not want Dinwiddie there for whatever reasons. But trading Dinwiddie could definitely get you a guy like Robert Covington or potentially one of those guys that can just stick on the defense and bend and still hit threes and shoot the ball and give you spacing. Bertens hasn't been a shooter for them this season and when he's on he's been an okay shooter but not as good as he's been historically, but his defense is also really bad. Getting a guy like Justin Holiday would help so much because he could bring that shooting possibly even more consistent because Bertens has not been very consistent this year and also bring that defensive end because what the Wizards lack right now really is defense and shooting. They're dead last in three-pointers made per game and they're second to last in attempts and they're 28th in percentage. They need shooters in the worst way, but they already are not a very good defensive team and just adding shooters who can't play defense is going to hurt them. So they got to get some guys that can do a little bit of both. And that's the only way I really see them turning this season around. If not, I really think that Bradley Beal being moved at the deadline is something that they should heavily consider because if not, time's going to run up eventually and they're not going to get anything for him. And especially when there's only one year left on his deal, he's going to be harder to trade. Just in a realistic world, though, I, I, just, it, well, I, I just don't think it'll happen. It's not going to happen. They're it's not, not going to trade happen. Bradley Beal, but I think it's something they should consider. Yeah. But like everything in this episode, these are hypotheticals, what we think they should do. But that's actually going to wrap it up for this week's episode. So thank you so much for tuning in, and we will see you guys next week. Peace out. Peace, guys.